0: On radio, on radio, more of the good stuff to central.com. Well, very good morning. Uh, my name is Dr. Cindy Fancel I'm having a very interesting morning, especially after that chat with those people. But hey, I have, um, Dr. Sibusisa Kuzwayo in the studio and he's a pediatrician based in Pretoria. He's the father of four girls and, um, he's an all-rounder. Like, he's a fantastic person, great sense of humor. But I think what I really appreciate about him is that he's able to explain, um, kiddies terms, like kiddies illness and so on in a, very, in a, in a way that you really understand, you know, what he's talking about. And a lot of us, I mean, when I, when I had a baby in 2008, my first child was born in 2008. I mean, oh. my kids were my guinea pigs. Okay. I <laughs> I tried everything on my kids. So, you know, I wanted to know. So, what happens if you do this? What happens if a child is hiccuping and you put a piece of paper on their forehead? They were my guinea pigs. <laughs> so, a lot of moms aren't like that. They're not as, as you know, because I mean, my kids used to fall all the time. And I saw then that, oh, babies are bouncy. You know, they don't break as easy <laughs> as adults do. Don't but say that too loud. Yeah, I know. I know. But they do. They are actually bouncy. So, we'll see, so, thank you so much for being here. I know you spent a lot of time in traffic getting here. Thanks for having me. Yes. No. So I've been up
1: since six, eh?
0: No, but thank you so much for being here but sure, First sure. things first, I, mean, I think on my show I always want to know, who is the person Behind the title, you know, so yes We're all doctors and it's just a title, there's a person Behind it. like, you know, for example I'm totally addicted to ORAS, well I'm getting over it That's who I am behind the Dr. Cindy title Right who is, you. See, so <laughs> when did you st- When did you start studying medicine? When did you decide you wanted to be a medical doctor? I think let's start there Sure.
1: Hi, so, uh, thanks for the opportunity And um, good morning to everyone Um, I'm, I'm a second generation pediatrician. And that's usually the first thing I say to people, right? Um, and I've always been my father's son. So I'm the first born and he, he was a great man and I looked up to him and it's, I still do, obviously he's still around. So, um, father's day, um, going. And so because of that, I, I just, it was natural for me. I wanted to do what he was doing and what he was doing was helping kids. And then it, it turns out I was very good with kids as well. So it just, it just fell into place for me. I resisted. Don't get me wrong uh, I took the scenic route to get here I did the BSc at Rhodes first Before I, um, my father yanked me by the ears And said you're wasting your time here child. And sent me across to medical school in Medunsa And yeah it's been, it's been a fun ride ever since
0: And your ride is about Okay so in total My ride was 10 years Because I did a BSc for 4 years And I did medicine for 6 years yeah. So your ride was probably 14 years or did you, did you stop at BSc? About 16. It was scenic. It was <laughs> quite scenic.
1: The, so, the undergrad went well. Yeah. Um, I did two years, two years of, of, uh, BSc. And in yeah. my second year, I, I think I might have imbibed a little bit in too much of the cannabis. <laughs> and then the second year didn't go so well. And my father thought, nah, you, you, are, you are wasting time and money here. You need to do medicine. So he kind of, he didn't force me, but he pushed me very gently yeah, exactly. into med school. And I just flew through it. Um, and then I got to, to, to postgrad internship and all that. And then life really began. We we started a family. I was like twenty three, twenty four when we okay. decided to get married and have kids. and okay. things. So I just had all of that on my plate at the same time. So my mm-hmm. my specialization was supposed to be four years. Took a little bit longer than that. Oh,
0: okay. But I mean, yeah. ultimately, you got what you wanted.
1: Yes. Yes. Definitely. And I I couldn't be happier.
0: And just from a like, how many male pediatricians are there?
1: Not too many. And I find most of those guys really like women. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> the the rest of the class is usually female, right? Yeah. Um, and you're in contact with with moms and babies and stuff, so you have to be, you know, a, a bit on the softer side of medicine. So you couldn't do surgery and such because that's really butch, hard cutting stuff. Um, so so male pediatricians, I'd say probably ten percent. Um and and overall mostly it would be would be would be women. (laughs) Okay. Um, but it's 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 a beautiful field. I think I think if if you had to choose a speciality, if you had to really really want it, and if you love kids, that would be that would be where I would I would would advise most doctors to end up.
0: But I mean, I I I, I, you're but it's actually quite harrowing. I mean, I'm a closet pediatrician. I always say this to people. I would have done pediatrics.
1: We all are.
0: I would have done pediatrics. Yeah. Had it not been for my experiences, and you know, when I was working at Barra, I think I was I was at Barra at the height of the deaths uh HIV-related deaths, yeah. and seeing those babies die did something to me. And I I, w- I wish I could undo that pain and then you know pursue a career in mm. Peds, but yoh, it was harrowing. No, you
1: certainly feel a lot more when you're um, in Peds because kids kids tend to not lie to you. No, you know, That's you what I
0: love about them. Yeah. When they're happy, they're happy, when they're sad, they're, they're sad. sad. If
1: you do something right, they'll respond immediately. If you're not, you're gonna wreck the rest your brain for the rest of the day trying to figure out what am I doing wrong, what's going on, and stuff like that. So mm. it's very it's very emotionally taxing, I'd say that much. Um mm. you need a bit of a thick skin and it's very difficult to detach from from a child, you know? So it is it takes a lot out of you to be a pediatrician, especially when things go wrong. But when things go right, jeez. It goes There's well There's no high in the world Yeah Because immediately This kid responds to you um, Gets better Parents are grateful And you walk away Feeling like a, a bit of a superhero You know
0: Yeah And in terms of of Dealing with, with parents Because I think When I You know When I When I was working at um, Coronation Hospital Rahima Musa now Yeah Um <clears throat> When I was taking bloods on the kids, I always used to ask the moms to leave the room because, you know, there you are with this needle. You know exactly where to prick the child in the neck to get the blood out. And there's this mom that's crying. So the baby's not crying. She's crying. Like, what must happen? So I was like, Mama, please, little poor man. Just, like, just, just yeah. get I'll see you later. No, so how do you deal with that? How do you deal with jabbing kids in front of their parents?
1: No, you don't jab kids in front of their parents. You have three patients when, you, when, you're, when you're a pediatrician. Ah. You have the little one and then the two big babies as well. So I think in, in, in terms of, I mean, you explain what you're about to do and you tell them it's not a nice thing. Mm. Um, so if they don't mind or if, if they don't mind, they can stay. But you would prefer to be outside so they can be the heroes. Mm. They'll walk in and they'll save the baby because the baby's going to cry, right? It's not going to be a nice thing. So when you do that, then you need like a, a bad cop, good cop scenario. I'm going to be the bad cop stabbing the child and you're going to come in and whoosh take the child away. And you sort of restore order in that child's life kind of thing. So I yeah, I agree with you. You you generally tend to want to ask them the, the parents to just, you know, step back a little bit so that they can come back and rescue the little one. And and in any case, um you do a lot better when you're doing not-so-nice things to a baby And the parents are not around
0: No, it's true They, they less they, 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 There's less drama Yeah. Kids are so interesting When their parents are around They're at their worst behavior The moment the parents Step away from the scene they you know they patty in your hands
1: Yeah, no, that's very, very true as well So it, 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 it helps to know That you're treating three people And so you <laughs> do need to the, the parents also need to be part Of your management plan And actually, I think that's how it works Most of the time Because even the medication You prescribe or whatever If your parents are not on board You'll never heal that child
0: that's true. It's true. The th- yeah, it's the same thing with ARVs. I mean, before we give ARVs to mm-hmm. a child, a child that has tested positive and needs treatment, yeah, we yeah. need to make sure that the caregiver is on board, has accepted the situation, Understand. is willing, understands why yes, this child yes. must take um, treatment for HIV, yeah. and is willing to give the treatment. Very if true. the parents, if the caregivers or parents are not on board, we don't give the treatment. It
1: doesn't work otherwise. I yeah. always tell um, my parents when it comes to specifically ARVs. So we find out this kid is HIV positive, unfortunately. Yeah. My kids do very well. Mm. Most kids do because they don't do all the other things that will get them into trouble that will put put a knock on their um, immune system and such. Mm. So kids, once they're on ARVs, do great for the first 15, 20 years of their lives. And then they start these things of unprotected sex and smoking and drinking and all these other things, that that all those at-risk behaviors. Yeah. And then you run into trouble. But for the most part, kids on ARVs do absolutely wonderful, yeah, provided they get the pills. So actually, the people you've been trying to treat on ARVs, is the caregivers. Yeah. It's the adults in that relationship because they're the ones who A have to give the medication Yeah. and B have to believe them that they 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 the medication works. Yeah. But also they need to take care of themselves as well. So if you're treating an HIV positive child, you need to treat that HIV positive parent as well. It's yeah. it's pointless giving medication to a child and the mom's sick. Exactly. Because whatever's going on with the parents will happen to the child. Yeah. A realistic approach. Yeah, yeah.
0: And in terms of like breaking bad news, so how do you how do you um, how do you break a diagnosis to a child that's say like ten years old, and the child needs to know that this is a situation, and this is what's happening with mm. me? How do you how do you do that? Ish, yeah, you're asking difficult questions. <laughs>
1: um, no, you know, the thing is with with kids, kids will understand yeah. things relative to to their experiences, their mm-hmm. life experiences. So you have to make it age appropriate, I suppose. Um, explaining bad news, are we still talking about HIV, for example, mm-hmm. to to a kid? You first have to find out what they understand about HIV. For example um, hmm. Or what illness yeah. Yes um, Do you understand What the immune system is um, Do you know anything about sex Depending on how old they are And then you try and feed them Age relevant information So you you, For the smaller ones You'd have to say There's a big germ In your body For example Where they don't know Exactly what a germ is They just know it's a hocha And it's very nasty And they, they know about hochas Because you know That's probably Their reference is going to be that So there's a nasty germ And it might be a cartoon character Or something like that
0: Like I have a book called Brenda mm. has a dragon in her blood yeah, that's a that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. right it from Cape Town. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's how that's how you break it down to them, and they they actually um, respond more positively because then the questions they they tend to lead the the, the counseling session after that, because depending on what they understand, then they'll say, oh, okay, you mean like a dragon? Yes, you have a dragon, a nasty dragon that's trying to eat away your blood. Ooh, we hate that dragon, and to keep it away, we need to give you medication. The medicine is like holy water or whatever it is that mm-hmm. you. Sprinkle on that dragon and the dragon shrinks and you make sound effects or whatever. You do whatever needs to be done. And it's
0: important to be animated, It eh? Cause like, our oh, kids love sound effects. Yes, And yes. I was really good at that whole animation and sound effects and you know.
1: Yeah, no, they love I think that. You're
0: good at it too. Ish,
1: you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. You should see my practice. It's, it's, it's a laugh a minute. Literally. That's and so it, has awesome. yeah, it, has it has to be. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the other thing I wanted to ask you as well is that, um, just in your practice, okay, I know you're based in Pretoria. What do you, what, 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 what do you usually see? Apart from the usual sniffs and sniffles, what else is happening out there in terms of? In the kids? private sector? Yeah. The
1: private sector is, is fairly easy Mm. mainly because you you will see either respiratory tract symptoms at certain times of the year or gastro Mm. symptoms meaning tummy um, issues at another part of the year Mm. those are your probably 80% of your admissions would be due with upper respiratory or lower respiratory so Mm. your ear nose and throat runny nose is blocked and coughs and things and then the chest is where you really worry so when all of those hohakis that are upstairs end up in your lungs that that would be why you probably then you know need to consult more or admit and be a b- bit more And, I, and I think
0: it's important that you've mentioned that because I mean at the weekend I was tweeting about flu yeah. and I was tweeting about about you know what warrants um, a prescription for antibiotics. So maybe mm. just talk us through the upper respiratory tract infections and then the lower because people think you get antibiotics for flu. And you do not. No, you don't. That is just not right. It's like killing an ant with an AK-47. We mm. do not give antibiotics for flu. So I think talk us through that the difference in the in the two, you know, the upper and the lower, mm-hmm. and when it would warrant antibiotics.
1: Okay, so an antibiotic is is um, is used for bacteria, and eighty percent of upper respiratory tract and upper respiratory tract is your ear, nose, and throat mainly. You um, can get it through your eyes, uh, your throat as well. So that's all upper respiratory. That's usually viral. Um, so antibiotic doesn't work for a viral infection. The problem with viral infections is actually secretions, all that gunk, all that phlegm, and the, all, that, la- all of those nasties. Those are the things that actually make babies sick. So that's the stuff you need to get rid of, yeah, and prevent that from ending up in the lungs. Because once it's in the lungs, then you're in trouble. Because um, I usually tell my parents, especially in the winter time, if you can hear that sound. Because uh, they, they'll tell you My baby's breathing funny Or yeah. breathing heavy and such And it makes a funny sound when baby breathes If you can hear that sound It's probably coming from The upper respiratory Because yeah. if it's a sound Coming from the lower respiratory I.e. a wheeze yeah. That kid would be very very sick So you wouldn't even You'd know immediately Okay my kid is really Really struggling to breathe And such So most times When you hear a sound Your baby's not sleeping well Because she's just Breathing through the mouth It's she's very nice You're like, yeah, like, And making yeah,
0: Snoring Yeah
1: When can you hear that It's usually coming from The upper respiratory And 80% of the time That is from a viral Okay. What you need is to get rid of those um, secretions, get rid of that snot, get rid of, if you get rid of that snot, you've done your job. If you can keep that airway open, keep that child breathing, you've done your job. If you let that snot linger, so you, that's why you need to use flushes, you need to use antihistamines. You need to get the snot out by any means necessary. Oh, Coco Beto used to use their mouths to suction our noses.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Ooh, that's disgusting. Yes. Oh, yes. I remember my mom once asked me if I did that to my kids. I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm not sucking snot leaves out of my mouth. Um. You know
1: how how that's going to save you from a hospital admission? Because those snotty things in the nose, if they're left there, will spread into the lungs. Once they're in the lungs, that child needs physiotherapy and nebulization and probably admission, which is worse than just snacking the snot of <laughs> the
0: nose. <laughs> no, I'll get a little syringey thingy key or something.
1: By by, whatever means. Do so, they
0: have, what are those little syringy um, thingy? Little things?
1: aspirators, baby oh, aspirators, vex. Okay. yeah okay. So we we can we buy them? Like
0: Discam where? Yeah, discams we'll have. Uh, yeah. Okay. So
1: whatever you need to clear that nose. Look, just okay, clear so that. If nose. if you have
0: a child with a blocked nose, you need to make sure the nose stays clear, so yeah. that it doesn't go down into the child's chest. Yeah, okay. definitely.
1: Because if it's in the chest, now you have no choice but to cover mm. with antibiotics and God knows what else.
0: Okay, and okay. to get the gunk out, you use whatever means are necessary. By
1: any means necessary. Okay. Um, snot, well, clearing snot will save your life, because your medical aid is going to be happy with you because you're not getting admitted, and your pharmacy is going to be happy with you because you're not using antibiotics unnecessarily. But if you live that snot in there, the kitty doesn't sleep very well, doesn't eat very well. And eventually, it will end up in the lungs, and that's when you call me, and then I have to give you the bad news about you know we need to admit this one because we need a more intensive uh, interventions,
0: okay. which may
1: include antibiotics by then.
0: Oh, okay. Mm. So because I'm into the chest, antibiotics, admission, and so on and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I so it. keep
1: it from getting there. Okay. Job done.
0: So in terms of um, over the counter antibiotics, I mean, first of all, exactly. So I wanted to address this because there are pharmacies, small pharmacies in Johannesburg that give antibiotics over the counter.
1: No. That's illegal? Mm hmm. And it is unethical. I think
0: it's good for people to hear from someone else, not just from OCD. Yeah, because you're a
1: loud one. Eh? Yeah,
0: I'm the loud, <laughs> I'm the loud bossy. we chat. Someone said that what? Um, I, what, I think if I had to pick the person having a psychotic episode from that conversation to be to be her, i must chill. Someone said I'm chill. So let's let's hear it from the <laughs> chills doctor, Doctor Sputisa about over the counter antibiotics, about pharmacists just dishing out antibiotics. It's not right.
1: There's no, there's no place for it's. It's a very unethical practice. Yeah. Um, you don't know what you're treating. And most of the time, like we said, it's, it's viral. It's in the upper respiratory. And if you're worried that it's a lower respiratory, you need to see a doctor. Yeah. And I mean, but you know, let's, let's not just blame the pharmacists only. Some, some doctors will also, they show up, kitty has a flu and off they go with Amoxil. So you'll have, you have no idea how many times kids end up with us. And, um, they come to see me with a referral letter and I ask them, what did they give you? And out comes the pain medication. Out comes an antihistamine, and out comes an antibiotic. And what did the doctor say you had? No, it said it was just a flu. And I'm like you see. And did she mention anything about the nose, about clearing the secretions? No, they didn't say anything. So even, even with us as medical professionals, we still mm. need to keep that in mind. So like you, you don't use an antibiotic. It's not a magic bullet for everything. Mm. You need to identify the problem and treat the problem and then you should be okay.
0: Okay. So we've got a question, um, from Ukaya. Kaya says, my son suffers from bronchitis, bronchitis once in a while and he has to be nebulized. Does mm. that mean he's asthmatic?
1: Um, first up, well, how often is once in a while? Um, generally speaking, you shouldn't really have ris- lower respiratory tract problems, such as bronchitis, is um, more than so once. So bronchitis
0: needs antibiotics.
1: Would probably need antibiotics, okay. Yes. It could still be viral, but you okay. see the problem is when it, once it gets into the chest, you really don't know which way it's going. Okay. And because it's in the chest and the chest is a very sensitive area, especially for kids, a lot of the times we opt for giving an antibiotic at that, uh, at that time. But if you're having recurrent bronchitis, if, even if you're not body, your kitty can't have a bronchitis every three months okay. or every There's month, something then you worry about, um, asthma then. Okay. But asthma, you must understand is, 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 I'd say is allergies of the lungs. Let's put it that way. Okay. In a simple way of, of thinking. So you have allergies of the eyes, allergies of the nose, you get sinuses and stuff. Yeah. So if your kitty has eye problems all the time and nose problems all the time and an itchy skin, like eczema all the time, yeah. then your kitty is likely to be allergic or sensitized to something, right? Okay. And now if that kind of child with a family history, for example, that's the other part. You need to have family history in the family of allergies, of asthma and sinusitis and, you know, uh, conjunctivitis and things like that. So, so your nose is inflamed and your eyes are inflamed. And if that, that kitty has a family history and then his recurrent Either nose issues skin issues and bronchitis then you're more likely to think it's asthma than just plain bronchitis because okay. you shouldn't really be getting so bronchitis So we have to have the, the time. whole
0: we have to have everything in context. Yes, yes. Okay, it's, it's okay. important to
1: find the context. So you and,
0: okay, and speaking of asthma I'm really glad you brought it up. I mm-hmm. mean asthma is a very common childhood condition. Yes, yes. So just tell us a bit about asthma. Can kids outgrow asthma? Exercise-induced asthma What's happening there? Ooh. Um, the
1: short answer is yes Usually your body uh, gets gets used to stuff So so initially, what, what allergies are um, Is your body's oversensitive to things So under normal circumstances You have, let's say dust gets into your nose As a normal person with no allergies It will irritate you, right? So mm, you'll, you'll, you'll sneeze. sneeze it out just once You'll blow your nose and it's gone if you're allergic to the dust though, your body overreacts to that. Oh my god, I'm dying! Pinnacle it. So there's lots and lots of snot, your f- nose blocks up, your upper airway is itchy, your eyes red. Are red. Mm. Exactly. So your body overreacts. So the same thing happens in the lungs then. Your, 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 your lungs, uh, close off because there's swelling in those, in those airways. Um, and there's narrowing and there's lots of secretions and that's what then causes you to, <gasps> can 't breathe okay. and that's asthma mm. right, so so asthma is usually alleged, um, related to allergies or sensitization, mm. and that's why you need a it's a recurrence, um, so the history is of uh, my child is always every winter or every spring or every other month, this kitty has got bronchitis, usually, and in Pretoria they say Ki bronco <laughs> <laughs> and bronco could be bronchoumonia Bronco and you like bronco what exactly okay. so so when you have that recurrently, then you start to think, okay. You, it's unlikely, not but you can't have an infection in the lungs every month. Okay. So what else is going on? And that's okay. when you start thinking of asthma and such. Yeah. So I usually explain it to my parents as it's allergies of the lung.
0: Okay.
1: Um, mainly that's the most common thing. And yes, you do outgrow it. Your body gets less and less sensitized. Eventually, your body's like, no man, dust is there. It doesn't really clog me up. I'll be okay. You don't completely cure it. Mm. Um, I'm I'm allergic to milk, for example mm. I'll have milkshakes, I'll have coffee, I'll be fine But on the day yeah. I have a milkshake and ice cream and coffee And just overdose Runny on... Runny tummy all the way it's, You see what I'm saying? So mm. yes, I would have outgrown it I don't react to it as much as I did when I was younger mm-hmm. But should one day I have too much of it I will trigger that reaction again
0: Okay, so we have a question from Anonymous Anonymous, Anonymous. Anonymous. Anonymous says Can you please uh, explain Does putting breast milk... In a kitty's nostrils For an upper respiratory tract infection work Like you know th- We get told by our grannies Oh put two or three drops of Of, of breast milk in baby's nostrils Does that work?
1: Whew. Um, scientifically, there's no reason for that to work mm. <laughs> uh, But I don't think much research has been uh, done in that field um, I can tell you anecdotally that it does okay. uh, We've done it on our kids um, It seems to work just fine And just thinking about it The, the milk, breast milk would have providers clean, obviously Which is al- almost always is mm. Has antibodies in there Has um, um, a lot of fluid in there So it'll, it will clear any obstruction Um, And it has antibodies as well So it's supposed to work that way Mm. But I mean saline is what we use normally Saline drops Which is salt salt water Just flush it out And then um, if you need to Saline has a twin right The twin is suctioning Okay. So we have to saline and suction. You, you, otherwise you, you flush it a little bit and then because you didn't remove it, it, it dries up again and then it clogs up again and then an hour later you have to repeat the process.
0: Oh, okay. So saline goes with fla- with, with suction. suction
1: yeah. Saline like. and suction is, is what saves you most of the time. Oh, okay. And whether you're using breast milk instead of saline, well, look, uh, scientifically we haven't done any studies to suggest that. Yeah. But anecdotally I can tell you that it does work.
0: Oh, okay. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, is that when a child does have asthma, what, what's the treatment protocol?
1: Steroids, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so Um, that's still the mainstay.
1: Yeah, that's still the mainstay of, of, so all those pumps that people talk about. Yes. Um, but you need to use them correctly. So there's two kinds of pumps you can use in, um, well, broadly speaking, in, in an asthma patient. One is an acute reliever. Mm-hmm. So that's the, usually the blue one. They call it asta or duavent or something like that. Mm. Uh, but it has short-acting agents that will reverse the obstruction, and that's how you know it's af- asthma, really.
0: Yeah, so asthma. So the treatment for asthma is managing it. You're managing yes, the you manage. S- the yeah.
1: symptoms. Yeah. So and then the, what steroids do is they shut down your inflammatory processes. So they yeah. shut down your overreaction, right? And and the second pump you you use. So the asta vent is used for acute phases, but for control for maintenance you use uh, one that has must have a steroid in it unfortunately you put that into your lungs it reverses the process and it keeps the inflammation so the redness the swelling the tightening of the chest at bay for a longer duration of time usually steroids stay in your body within between 12 and 24 hours which is why you use those sprays once or twice a day mm-hmm. okay and so that's that's what you need to control using using um um your your steroids okay yeah, yeah.
0: and um i know that you also use a spacer because kids can't always use the pumps they, properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So the younger kids also need a, need a spacer because, I mean, you can't ask them to hold their breath and then breathe in as you prime, uh, as you prime the, 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 the. The the pumps. Yes. So you you need to just keep the spacer in their mouth so that they can take it a few breaths. It's not the most effective way, but it's the only way we can use it right now. Up until they're old enough to use the pumps. To use the pump properly properly for themselves. Yeah. So the spacer works just to keep the drug in a confined space while the child breathes.
0: Okay. Mm. What a question from from Cindy. Um, Cindy wants to know which Cindy. Cindy (laughs) Cindy from WeChat She wants to know What about cough suppressants For kids I was told by my GP To use an expectorant During the day And a suppressant at night So you're saying never No No. cough suppressants For children
1: Unless you know What you're treating You don't want them To stop coughing You see the the kids The smaller kids Actually have a very weak Cough reflex Yeah. And it's actually What causes pneumonia A lot of the time Because you stop them From coughing So now they're trying To get this thing out And then you give them Medication to stop That process That natural process Because it's annoying Or they're not sleeping well Find out what's causing The cough Treat that and then you can, you can sleep easier. So if the nose is causing the cough, giving cough suppressant just stops the process and then allows all the, that gunk to spread into the lungs and then you actually do more harm than good. Okay. I agree with the expectorants. I agree with bronchodilators. The, so those, just
0: explain what an expectorant is.
1: So it's a mucolytic. So a mucolytic is mucus. Yeah. Lytic to break up. So it, it breaks down the mucus and it makes brings it.
0: brings out all the gunk. Yes.
1: Wow. It makes it easier for the cu- kitty to, to, to cough out. Mind you, kids don't cu- spit out. So they'll cough something up and they'll swallow it. So usually it ends up in the gut, um, and they might have a bit of a slimy diarrhea or a slimy stool when they have a flu, mainly because they will swallow everything that's in the upper airway. Mm. So if you're not getting it out, then they're swallowing it and then it ends up in the gut. And sometimes they will have a diarrhea associated with a, Mm. or at least a a loose stool associated with a, with an upper respiratory tract infection Mm. because of that. Okay. So it's usually again, get that snot out. If you do that. Most of your life's problems are, um, um, are solved. But I usually, we, we try and keep away from, um, cough suppressants mm. unless you've used all the medication and it's one of those rare cases where you can have a bronchitis that causes a bit of a 100 day cough. We call it a 100 day cough. Mm. So pertussis and things like that will, mm. would cause a cough that is just, it's just a cough now. The secretions are clear. But it still triggers that because of the, the type of bacterium or the type of infection you had. Then you can use an antitussive at the time. Then you can use a cough suppressant because you've treated the underlying um, problem. But treat the problem first.
0: Okay, great. We'll be back after this break to discuss um, RSV. Oh,
1: I'm the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn. But even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm
0: going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold. We are one. Get a taste of the Republic of Extra Cold at the Embassy event on the 27th of June at Nasrik Johannesburg. This epic event will raise the flag for extraordinary experiences with Boys and Bucks, Casper New and many more. With only 4,000 tickets on offer, get yours now for only 200 Rand at ticket, or visit carcelite.co.za for more information on the coolest events this winter. Unlock Extra Cold Refreshment. Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18. It real On Well, we're back with Dr. Kuzwayo And we're speaking pediatrics this morning um, oh, So much to cover, so many messages coming through One of the things I just want to cover before um, This question came in last week So I suppose Ulusedi is not happy that didn't answer his question So I want to answer the question today Just before <laughs> we carry on with pediatrics sure. So Ulusedi wants to know If the vigorous sucking of the breasts or areoli Can cause breast cancer Right? Can, can cause- prevent? Can prevent so. breast cancer and, um, the answer is no. No, not really. Yeah. But it's, we still brought something up interesting about, um, women that have lots of children and spend a lot of time breastfeeding.
1: Yeah. Um, the, there was a paper published, I think it was last month. Yeah. I found out about it a couple, uh, I found out about it about a week or so, a week or two back where they proved that, um, bra- not breasts, but women, who breastfeed more or have more kids and therefore breastfeed a lot more um, Have a decreased um, chance of actually getting breast, breast cancer Than women who have never breastfed Or who took a long time before they started breastfeeding So if you have your children late and such mm-hmm. um, I don't know the numbers exactly I just read the blurb uh, but that's what it was suggesting that there still needs to be a lot of research going in. It was probably the, one of the first papers that, that published.
0: Mm, so maybe they said he came across that, but yeah. Um, anyway, we'll go that, we'll go into that on another day. I'll probably do a breast cancer show one of these yeah, days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That might be a better idea. Yeah. yeah.
0: So back to Clement's question. Clement wants to know, okay, his daughter had RSV. And sure. just four months old, mm-hmm. and now she has it again. And she's fourteen months. So let's break down what is RSV and why the recurrence later um,
1: on. Okay, so RSV is a respiratory syncytial virus, mm-hmm. um, and respiratory means it's obviously in the respiratory tract. Syncytia are actually like limbs. It's like an octopus mm-hmm. it throws limbs limbs around your your respiratory system, and so this virus is very very good at attaching to the respiratory system, first in the upper respiratory, mm-hmm. but obviously again if you leave, that's not to to spread. Eventually. Up in the lungs, and that's what causes RSV pneumonia or RSV bronchiolitis or bronchitis and such. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a viral infection, it does tend to recur. You can actually have, um, um you can be immunized against it, uh, but it's usually relate- related to kids who are prems, for example, mm-hmm. who um, have uh, pre existing lung conditions like chronic mm-hmm. lung diseases and such. Uh, where that then would, would try and prevent RSV. Cause when those kids have RSV, like I said, because of the stubborn way in which this virus attaches to your respiratory system, it tends to cause more severe secretions, more prolonged illness and can spread into the lungs very, fairly rapidly. In fact, you more, it's the most commonly cause or it's the most common cause of, of, um, pneumonia that needs to be ventilated, um, um, in, in a hospital and, and you give IVs and by that time, usually <laughs> you don't have much. Except to get the secretions out and uh, okay. vigorous physio and things like that. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Another question that, I mean, if I got a rand for every time I got an email <laughs> or a message, cause you know, I, do, I I'm an online patient activist. So yeah. my DMs are always on fire, not, not with sexual stuff, but with medical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Emails, well, we hope. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> my DMs off with Hey Doc, you know? Yeah. So moms. And kids sleeping, M- mothers cannot accept that newborns do not sleep at night. A, I, I, and I always say, there's a two-week honeymoon period. This baby comes out. This baby's an angel. You're taking pictures. You're kissing. You're doing everything mm. else. After that two weeks is done, then it's, then it's all. Game health, time. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So I think you know. I, again, I'm I'm the crazy doctor. You're the chilled out doctor. <laughs> just just explain this to parents.
1: Mm, usually I tell my parents the first at the six week visit, which is what we, we, we normally see, I tell my parents the first three months are the toughest. Oh yeah. Right? Okay. Um this kid is from a a warm, dark place where there was no sign and light, they didn't know circadian rhythms and nothing like that. So all they do is sleep every four hours. So they just carry on with that cycle until they're they more developed and they can see a bit better, hear a bit better. They can feel the sunlight and the dark and things like that. They can hear people are quiet now and everybody goes off to sleep. But until that time, they're still sticking to their four-hour cycle, sleep cycle. So every three to four hours, whether it's for 10 minutes or an hour, every three to four hours, a child will, well, a, a newborn rather, will fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is you are sleeping every 12 hours. Yeah. Or every 24 hours for eight hours. This kid is sleeping every four hours. So it's not that the kid is not sleeping. It's just that it carries on with this four hour cycle at night when you then want to be sleeping. So, so it's that mismatch that actually causes the headaches for, for most of my parents. And unfortunately, yeah, until they, they know better, until they've been around a little bit and, and until they can actually filter out and, and understand, okay, at this time everybody settles down. It's, it's, yeah. There, there hasn't been a pill or a medication That can sort that out yet We're working on it ladies But uh <laughs> between now and then I think you're going to have to carry well, and bury it no, a lot it's of the not. time It's
0: tough going I mean, That's the reason I started blogging Because mm. I was up at ungodly hours And I mean you're up I, I mean my son Marnie would be up From midnight until 6am mm. And he wouldn't want to sleep on his, in his bed He wanted to be in my chest So I would be sitting on the couch With this baby in my in my breast mm-hmm. As if I'm kangarooing yeah. And I'd be tweeting Tweet, Actually Twitter saved my life
1: at that time, yeah. At that time, it yeah. They really can, can mess with your hormones, can help mm. you mess with your sleep cycle. You you completely out of work, work when you when you have to deal with kids waking up in the middle of the night. So I understand when ladies just go through postpartum depression and things like that. Mm. It's it's a real thing because mm. a you're not sleeping, b all this child does is scream, mm. and uh, c your hormones are all over the place. So your 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 pregnancy hormones are. are uh, coming off your breastfeeding hormones are coming up. There's that hormonal imbalance, and you guys know whenever there is a hormonal imbalance, it's chaotic. You're not going to be having a lot of fun. So yeah. now you're not sleeping. Your hormones are all over the place, and this kid only screams. That's that's. I mean, that's it's a trifecta, right there. Yeah. So I mean, you know, for for moms, you need to be easier on yourselves. Mm. Everybody goes through that. To, I mean, we all make it look sexy, and it's like, oh no, my baby was fine. No, but tough. trust me, yeah. when when we are alone with your pediatricians, we hear stories, man. And no matter how together a parent looks on the outside. When it comes down to it, we all go through the same things with our babies, especially in the first six months. Mm-hmm. So postpartum, um, depression is a real thing. And most of us, we, we want to soldier on through it. But just understand that you're not alone. Uh, you're not weak. It's it's a it's a, it's a thing, mm. and there's medical reasons for it, yeah. Mm. And
0: the whole issue of gas, I get asked that a lot in Ganyami, colic, yeah. It, yeah in yeah, inecolic. Mm. I need to buy grab water. I need to give telement drops and so on. And I'm so against those products. Like I I, I always say to moms, mm. if you don't drink it, then why should your baby drink it? Yeah, so stuff let's let alcohol, of, eh? yeah, exactly. So so as I said, let, let's hear it from the doctor,
1: you know. Most most of the stuff, uh, the telement drops, um, grab water is just an alkaline solution, but a lot of alkaline.
0: And a lot of sodium.
1: Yeah, and a lot of sodium, so it will irritate the gut. Mm. So gripe, water, telement drops, those kind of things don't have a scientific basis, mm-hmm. um, really. And ga- kids will get um, gas for a number of reasons. And this is why breast milk is the best milk to give to a child. It's digested food. It's mostly liquid. It gets easily absorbed. It's less likely to strain strain the gut. When you start using bottles, you must understand that um, no matter how expensive your bottle, no matter how fancy the teat and it's got the fancy thing in the middle, the anti-colic what-what, there's air in there mm-hmm. That's just lo- laws of physics Whenever you fill a space up Some air has to escape Whenever you empty that space The air has to rush in Otherwise it's going to be a, a vacuum So when the kitty is bottle fed They tend to swallow a lot more air Than they would when they're breastfed You don't digest air, right? So it has to come out So how does it come out? Either cramps, cramps, colicky, fart Or regurgitation, vomit mm. Okay, so you're more likely I'm not saying that it's it's 100% foolproof you're, But you're more likely When you're bottle feeding to have issues with your tummy Then you're breastfeeding. The other issue is actually the, um, the, the, the bottle milk. Yeah. It's usually cow's milk. The formula is cow's yeah. milk usually. And that is not a cow. So it doesn't have all the digestive enzyme, enzymes to break down cow's milk, which means a lot more of that milk stays behind in the gut. Mm-hmm. A lot more has to be pushed through the gut. Crampy, crampy, colicky constipation. Okay. So breastfeeding will save your life mm. all the time. There's very very few indications for not to breastfeed, but I mean we can also try and sort out the the gut when when you are not breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You need something like um, enzymes. Um, um, so so these these lactase enzymes that will break down the cow's milk because mm-hmm. la- lactose is the main um, um, culprit. Yeah, yeah, usually at, at least, yeah. whether on the allergy side or on the just digestibility side. Yeah. So giving extra lactase has been shown not really successfully, not really all the time, but has been thought to 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 improve the digestibility of or the digestion of of the lactose Toes milk mm-hmm. in the child And also probiotics Are always a good idea Because a lot of the times With that foreign milk You introduce foreign bacteriums as well Yeah And those bacteriums Usually uh, rip, reproduce By producing gas Or respire rather Not reproduce By producing gas Yeah And so you have a lot more gas Again same problem You have a lot more gas in the gut And that gas, gas will cause The colics and the cramps And things like that So a probiotic then Will replace that bad bacterium Quote unquote With good bacteriums And that will again um, Assist the gut To just try and be Settled um, okay. A little bit more. So yeah, we don't we don't really advocate the use of telement drops and things like that, Drupples and and handling main all of those yeah, things. Like you
0: first of all, your baby smells crappy, and then <laughs> your, you know, like, don't use those
1: things. Your baby's taking a drop at the time.
0: Exactly. So someone umkosi wants to know, um, what do we give kitties for runny noses? Whew.
1: Depends on what causes it mm-hmm. Again If you think it's more Allergy related An antihistamine will work So your allergics Your deselects And things like that mm-hmm. um, If you think it's more Of a viral infection Then you need to Saline and suction mainly. Okay. um Control the fever If it's there But when you clear that nose By any means necessary You do much better that way
0: Okay mm-hmm. So Kimberly wants to know um, When you're pregnant How soon can you know The child's paternity And what's the procedure And
1: cost Paternity Yeah You usually find that out Before you're pregnant
0: Isn't it <laughs> Just
1: say Um Look, you wouldn't want to interfere while the kid is in utero. Look,
0: I mean, look, and there are labs, okay, just to get it out there, mm. there is a lab in Johannesburg that can do a paternity test with, whilst the baby is still in utero. Yeah, yeah. But as you're saying, we don't want to f- interfere with baby.
1: Yeah, because it's involved needles and in- yeah, in. It's, it's it's um you go it's an invasive into the micro, procedure. You, know, yeah. you go into the microvilli and you, of the of the placenta and on the baby side and you take a sample and you send that off. You you usually don't want to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. Just for example, if you're trying to do a chromosome study or something like that. But for paternity, um, you could wait for nine months, I suppose, mm-hmm. or um, find out even before that. Um, you know, well, (laughs) know your partner before you go go into that situation, kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend a paternity test in utero. Yeah, I think rather wait
0: until the baby's born, and the um, national health. Um. NHLS, National Health Laboratory Services, Services yeah. does it for about 2,000 rand. They've got, uh, you, if you go to the website, it's nhls.ac.za. The, day, they're, yeah. they're, the whole process is there. It's about 2,000 bucks, but you obviously you need permission from both parents, ID books, samples. You can't, you, you, like you can't go and steal your man's hair and then take it in for, for sampling. Like, yeah. You both have to be in agreement that this is what needs to be done. Yeah. So it can be done. Yeah, yeah for about 2,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about early infant feeding. Because that's another thing That drives me up the wall I I, I think I spent An inordinate amount of time Begging mums Not to feed their kids Before six Mm, months of age mm. So so, Okay first of all I know there's a stage When kids weren't meant to eat Until four months of age The World Health Organization Revised that It's now six months So zero to six months No food for baby It's either breast milk Or formula Solids only at six months But in our culture Like Two weeks Motoha. Yeah, two weeks into life and the baby's really getting porridge yeah. So you need to explain to us why it is not right for kids to do this
1: Um Your your kitty's gut is brand new, you must remember yeah. that, right? It's never worked before It's, it's a good couple of hundred meters of, of intestine in there That has never worked before So the more you give it to digest before it's ready The more trouble you're causing for, for the little one So yes, it's a heavy meal and the kitty gets drunk and dozes off but kitty doesn't use any of that energy. And if in anything, you might actually be leading to, to, um, later problems. So yeah. kitty now all of a sudden develops a big gut. And when they're older, they need more food to, to, to feel satiated. And then that becomes a bit of a problem. Um, obesity, hypertension, those diabetes, those are lifestyle, um, kind of, kind of, um, illnesses when they're older. Yeah. So usually milk is all they need for the first six months.
0: And people don't believe this. Like, they don't they, like the baby doesn't the need water; time. doesn't need anything yeah. else.
1: Think about it. When you when you're making a bottle, you put water in there. Yeah. When your body's making breast milk, it's mainly water in there. It's very very fluid, so you don't need any more water than I mean, if because when you're giving water, all you're giving is, is just fluid. Whereas when you're breastfeeding, then you're giving fluid and um, you know nutrients and um, you know antibodies and things like that. So it's it's a healthier thing to do to feed the child whenever the child feel, feels like being fed mm-hmm. you know and I know there's that debate about every three hours versus uh, feeding on demand I'm an advocate of feeding on demand really mm-hmm. to be honest because it's just it saves your life you know mm-hmm. um, the kitty doesn't understand every three hours I have to feed and I going to wait for three hours no it's just she's hungry he's hungry feed the little one mm-hmm. give her what they want and then off they go and then they'll carry on and then and you get to a point where you you know, you can start imposing yourself a little bit more Usually the other side of three months we mm-hmm. you can say, okay, baby Look, I can't be feeding you every ten minutes So you need to feed now And then I'll see you again in three hours or whatever But for the first couple of months, I mean, go easy, you know
0: Yeah, and, and it's around three months That a baby starts forming a pattern of sorts yes, You know, it's, yes. like really the first three months is hell, And after that, the sleep gets better mm-hmm. You sleep a bit longer Then by by about two years, I mean, it's you're, you're, you're sailing Yeah, you know? I, tell, I tell
1: my parents it's a dance And the first couple <laughs> of steps Like people are just going to be like This child is just driving me insane. But (laughs) as you get better at it and you learn your moves, you understand your person. Okay. At this, at this hour, between this hour and this hour, they're not nice to you or when they cry like this is what they're looking for and things like that. So you get better at this dance as you grow, as, as the baby grows and you understand each other a little bit more. So it's, it's, it's a work in progress, you know? And you
0: have four daughters. Like how old are your daughters? Four. That is amazing.
1: I take my work home seriously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How old are they?
1: Um, eldest is 15. Yeah And then we have 15, 10, 3 and 1 The 3 and 1 are our little Irish twins, man they, they were they were surprised for both of us I, I wanted to leave the house <laughs> I was like, 'You're what? <laughs> Again? As if I wasn't there <laughs> you know? um, yeah, that, but have four beautiful girls, man. They're they're the joy. That's why I do this, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the it, wife.
0: Okay, and yeah. does it help? Does it help that you know you and your wife are both medical doctors? does it mm. Has it helped in the in the bringing up of the? kids? Oh
1: hell no! Uh, you, nah, you still no, go no. Through no. all the
0: drama that everyone else goes the through the mom is
1: the mom, right? Yeah. Uh, she doesn't. I mean, I told it the one time that one of them had a had gastro, and with gastro, all you need is fluids, right? Yeah. So I like, just give the child something to drink, and the mom was like, "You're gonna sit there, look at your child with diarrhea, yeah. and only give him water." <laughs> Get out of here. So I had to take the little one to my one of my profs, who I'm like, I'm sorry, prof. But my kitty has down here, and my wife said, please fix them. And they're like, what? you know what you're doing right is wrong. I'm like, I know, prof, but it's my wife. She's like, ah, say no more. So yeah, I know The mom wins all, all the time I, I'm just I just studied this stuff I'm not a player.
0: No, I'm, I'm, I tell you My kids are my guinea pigs I promise I always say to pe- people That email me that All the advice that I give About children I have tried all of that On my kids so yeah. This whole thing of no food Before six months Trust me, I was there With a five month old Chomping on my breast Like it's a hot dog <laughs> You know, because they're hungry I mean, and you know That you know That you can't give them solids So yeah. I'm like, you know what It's going to be milk Until until you're six until months Until you're ready, yeah and, you know, and my mom and the helper Were ready Six months The moment in six months they were there with the purity and you know
1: <laughs> no look you can you can cheat sometimes and, and go in at five really you know yeah. the, the other thing is um, other thing I tell but my I parents I needed
0: to try it for myself of course, of course. there's no way I going to advice and not, have, and not, and and not take not, it yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah no I usually tell my parents you do what works Yeah. so in spite of what anybody says and what scientific research says look if that breast milk works for your baby's nose then go for it. Like, even if I tell you there's no scientific evidence, then go for it. But no, but no grab water. No, 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 no. I mean, I'll I'll still say no, but I mean, I can't stop your granny from showing up and messing with you. So as long as it works, I'm going to be like hands off. But if you do run into trouble, I'm going to say I told you so <laughs>
0: <laughs> And uh, what else I want to ask you Oh gosh I mean I'm really Enjoying chatting to you Especially because Kids are such It's such an emotional issue It um, is though uh, It is yeah. Circumcision yeah. Circumcision is one is one thing That comes up Quite a lot yeah. What's yeah. the right age To circumcise If you are going To circumcise Your little boy What um, would you recommend
1: The first thing is You need to clear it With the powers that be first Um, I've had an experience where, um, a mom came to me at six months or something and wanted to, to circumcise a baby and I arranged with a, um, you know, urologist and the thing was done. And then a year later, father, very angry, cross a man walked into my room and said, I want my child full skin.
0: Oh wow.
1: So you need to make sure that the people at home, fait with this. Um mm-hmm. you don't, you don't decide on, on a child's foreskin if it, if the family has implications. Cause then for the rest of your married life, you're going to be that horrible makoti who did a ritual that the family didn't condone or whatever the case may be. And that, that man, I'm telling you now, was not a happy man. Usually I, I see happy dads in my offices and <laughs> that man was not happy at all. I understand.
0: Because I mean, in his culture, that child, it would only get, get dad at the, at the age of 18 yes, and now this exactly. child has no foreskin to chop. Yeah.
1: So exact. So the first thing is just make sure that everybody's on board with that decision. Okay. And that's, that was a lesson for me. Um, um, but usually uh, very early or very late Oh, okay. So usually in the first year of life Where it's a small incision It heals quickly yeah. Kitty's is not likely to post to, to prod and, and you know To poke and prod in, in, in that area Yeah, And therefore it's, it's likely to heal quicker very late when they're older Over the age of 6 I suppose Where they can um, understand what's going on They will know not to touch that area until it heals um, It's still a fairly small incision So it's not as painful And it doesn't take that long to heal But you want them Because in between that's time they will be pro- they don't understand what's going on. It's just pain and it might be fun. So they might, you know, put their dirty hands into that womb oh, site and then it might end up problematic. So I usually tell my parents either very early, okay, or very, life, late. or very late, to the other side of six, or so even when they're older, well, you know, customs allowing.
0: Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And the last thing I want to ask, um, before we go, it's been such a great show. Sure, um, job already. Yeah, hiccuping does putting a piece of paper on a child's forehead <laughs> work to solve hiccups? Uh,
1: no, breastfeeding does. No, no, no. Um, if it works for you, fine, go for it. But there's no scientific evidence to suggest that that would be the thing.
0: Well, I tried it. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think it works. Like that. There's, there's. um I was at Timbisa Hospital for the first, you know, in 2010, 2011. And you'd walk into the, the the nursery, the baby room, and every child would have this piece of paper, this cotton wool. And there would be somebody who's, whose job it is is to put the sticky things on their foreheads all the way across. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. But I mean, you know. There's no yeah. scientific evidence for that. If it works for you, fine, but I can't advise you <laughs> to do that. No.
0: No, thank you so much, I mean, just in closing, is there anything that you'd want to say to moms out there, caregivers out there? Just something in closing from you.
1: Um, jeez. About their kiddies. Take it easy, guys. Eh? Um, mm. these guys have us survived nine months in a space with no oxygen. They pretty much know how to do the rest. Just keep them breathing and occasionally feed them, and they should be fine. That's so and cool. Just be, yeah, just be easy on yourself.
0: Thank you so much for being sure. here.
1: Sure. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much cliffcentral.com